Unlike years past, I didn't rush out and put all of the OS betas on all my devices, and honestly, it was kind of liberating. But iOS 17, watchOS 10, and tvOS 17 are officially out of the beta cycles, and in this episode, we'll look at all of the new Apple Home features, and I'll turn voiceover on to let you guys see things from a blind guy's perspective. Let's get into it. internet my name is dustin and this is the my home kit home podcast and here we look at the smart home with an apple home and accessibility focus like i said ios 17 is officially available to the masses and we got a ton of new features to play with and apple home got some really interesting updates as well and not only will we talk about them in today's episode but i also invited siri american voice 4 to help demonstrate them but before we begin, if you like what we're doing here, let me know by following and leaving us a rating and review. It's very much appreciated. All right, let's kick things off by talking about one of the biggest features in iOS 17 on the whole, but that has particular benefits for Apple Home users, and that's interactive widgets. In iOS 16, we got lock screen widgets, including a native Apple Home one, but all they really did and still do, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, is give us status indicators for a relatively limited selection of device types like lighting and security. In iOS 17, Apple introduced interactive widgets, which allows us to control Apple Home accessories right from the widget without having to jump into the Apple Home app. We can pick and choose specific scenes and accessories that we frequently manually control and place them in the widget on any of our home screens, which is incredibly useful. I particularly like that we can control a variety of these scenes and accessories from the same relatively small widget. So let me show you how this works using voiceover. I actually have an entire home screen dedicated to Apple Home, which has a couple of different widgets and other apps that I regularly use. First is my HomeKit News widget, which always kind of had the ability to let you choose the individual articles that it populated. News, HomeKit, button, heading. HomeKit Weekly. Sylvania delivers a HomeKit smart plug at the lowest cost possible. 9 to 5 Mac, button. Hands-on. Yale launches its first smart locks with fingerprint scanner and Apple Home Key. 9 to 5 Mac, button. HomeKit Weekly. iDotOrin emerges as a matter-focused light bulb vendor for a vendor-neutral smart home. 9 to 5 Mac, button. I really do use this widget all the time. Next up is my all-new Apple Home widget. I set this one up with the accessories and scenes that I use most often throughout my day. All I do is swipe through until I find the device or scene that I want to control. Home. Bedroom. Vanity lights. Off. Switch button. Off. Porch. Rope lights. No response. Switch button. Off. Studio. Holomark smart lock. Locked. Switch button. Off. My home kit room. Espresso machine. Off. Switch button. Off. And then I double tap to activate it. My home kit room. Espresso machine. Off. Switch button. On and then double tap again to deactivate it. It's super simple and intuitive. Like I said, I really like how this widget is designed, letting you compile a variety of accessories and scenes in a relatively small footprint, leaving you plenty of space on that home screen for other widgets and apps. The biggest downside of Apple Home Interactive widgets is that although they are now interactive, we can only toggle the on-off state of scenes and accessories that support it. There is no slider function, unfortunately. That means that we can't adjust the brightness or color of lights directly from the widget, nor can we do things like set our curtains and blinds to a specific amount. A workaround for this for the time being is to create a scene with the specific incremental controls that you want and then add that scene to the widget. This being said, you can bring variable adjustment for certain devices to your home screen using an app like Home Widget, which I may need to delve into a little bit deeper later on down the line. For me, the biggest missed opportunity, particularly for Apple Home interactive widgets, is that they didn't make it to the lock screen. 
How useful would it be to control your AC, lights, garage door, lock, or whatever else without having to get into your phone? I absolutely understand the privacy and security implications of this, but Apple could have integrated this functionality similarly to how they do with the fitness lock screen widget, which only displays your daily activity once the phone has been unlocked. The real head-scratcher here is that Apple Home Interactive widgets are available on the all-new standby mode, which is essentially a fancified lock screen that's only available when your phone is charging and in landscape orientation, effectively turning your phone into a smart home display. Well, kind of. Standby mode has three different screens, a large clock display, a digital photo frame, and a customizable widget screen, which is where we can start to kind of build our smart home display. You can customize this screen with two different native and third-party interactive widgets, including one for Apple Home. You can have the widget automatically add suggested scenes and accessories, or you can choose specific ones just like you can with the home screen widget. I really like the idea of standby, but there's another supposed feature that makes it incredibly smart. During the WWDC keynote, Craig Federighi said that your phone should intuitively remember where it is and automatically update what's displayed based on its location. So theoretically, you could have a MagSafe charging stand in every room of your home, and once placed in standby, it would automatically update with all of the appropriate HomeKit scenes and accessories for that room. I'm not sure what sorcery Apple would be implementing to pull this madness off, but obviously I don't have it since during my testing I haven't been able to get it to work. I'm not sure if this just isn't activated yet, or if it requires the iPhone 15 with the U2 chip, or if the locations are intended to be more general like home and office, or if I'm just not doing it right. Either way, I ain't got it yet. Also, while standby is pretty neat for us smart home nerds, I am concerned about its potential impact on screen and battery health. I also have to mention that standby might not work for you during bedtime if you're a voiceover user because the last thing your significant other probably wants to hear at 2.30 in the morning is... Home. Bedroom. Vanity lights. Off. Switch button. Off. Porch. Rope lights. No response. Switch button. Off. Studio. Hallmark smart lock. Locked. Switch button. Off. My home kit room. Espresso machine. Off. Switch button. Off. Calendar. Wednesday. October 4th. Okay, well those are a couple of awesome new features from iOS 17, but I want to take a moment and tell you about an awesome new backpack from today's sponsor, Exter. Now, if you've been keeping up with us lately, you've likely heard about just how awesome Exter smart wallets are, and I never leave home without my Exter AirTag wallet, but they recently released an all-new product that I think you're gonna love. Their new grid backpack is a tech lover's dream. This 21-liter backpack opens 180 degrees for quick and easy access to what you need when you need it. The grid backpack also features an air mesh ventilated back panel and has a 600D water-resistant body with waterproof zippers, all made from recycled recycled PET bottles. Inside you'll find a suspended laptop compartment that can securely store your 16-inch MacBook Pro, but it's also got dedicated compartments for tablets and documents, Bluetooth trackers, keys, sunglasses, and more, including a cozy little spot for Exter's all-new laptop power bank. This fast-charging 26,800 milliamp power bank has two USB-C ports and a USB-A port to keep all of your devices juiced up while you're on the move. The Exter grid backpack and laptop top power bank are also both TSA approved and flight safe. Best of all though, you can get one now for 20% off exclusively as a My Home Kit Home podcast listener by using promo code MYHOMEKITHOME20 at checkout or by going to shop.exter.com slash MYHOMEKITHOME20. That's shop.exter.com slash MYHOMEKITHOME20 to save 20% off of your new favorite tech bag. 
Now, if you already updated to iOS 17, you probably noticed on the little splash screen that pops up whenever you launch Apple Home for the first time, this new feature called Grid Forecast, which didn't actually reveal itself until the release candidate for iOS 17, assuming that Apple wanted to try to minimize speculation about all of their different environmental efforts that they showed off during the Wonderlust event. Grid Forecast aims to easily let you see when your local grid may be pulling from cleaner energy sources so that you can make informed decisions about running larger appliances and potentially EV charging. Unfortunately, Grid Forecast is only available for certain areas in the U.S. for the time being, and since I don't currently live in the U.S., this is what I got. Guadalupe Location Services Another new feature in iOS 17 for Apple Home is native activity logs for security-related accessories like security systems, garage doors, locks, and some sensors like door and window sensors and smoke detectors. This is a feature that many of us have been pining over for a while now, but before you get excited, there are a couple of areas where I really think Apple dropped the ball here. First, the only types of sensors that will show up in this log are door and window sensors and smoke and CO detectors. In fact, if your door and window sensor is marked as just a simple contact sensor, it won't even show up in this log. I was also a little disappointed to see that there's no way of exporting these event logs either. It's nice to have this information to get a bird's eye view of what's going on with your secured accessories, but I would like to have this in a spreadsheet so that I could analyze it further. I also found it a little tricky to actually find these activity logs, so let me save you the trouble. From the main home screen of the Home tab for your HomeKit Home, you'll select the Security filter and then choose Activity History. My HomeKit Home. Heading. Show Climate. 25.0-30.5 degrees. Button. Show Lights. All Off. Button. Show Security. 3 Open. Button. Selected. Show, show Speakers and TVs. 2 Playing. Button. Show Water. Button. Activity history. Two events today. Button. Activity history. Heading. Done. Button. Today. Heading. Studio Holomark Smart Lock. 5.45 a.m. Locked. Studio Holomark Smart Lock. 5.44 a.m. Unlocked by Dustin Bogus. Yesterday. Heading. Meredith's room door. 10.07 p.m. Closed. Meredith's room door. 10.04 p.m. Opened. Kitchen back door. 7.21 p.m. Opened. Meredith's room door. 7.21 p.m. Closed. Meredith's room door. 7.21 p.m. Opened. Meredith's room door. 7.02 p.m. Closed. Meredith's room door. 7.01 p.m. Opened. Kitchen back door. 6.54 p.m. Closed. You'll notice that not only do we get a list of which secured accessory was controlled and at what time, if you have a smart lock with support for managed access, you'll actually be able to see who unlocked it, which is a really nice touch. Again, I'd really like to see this activity history include other security-related sensors like motion and occupancy sensors, as well as water leak sensors. Now, I've only been using iOS 17 for a little over a week now, but apparently this activity history will keep track of what's going on for 30 days. And again, this is where being able to export this data would be ideal, but you can't always get what you want. The last of the major features that I'll cover today are some improvements to the UI for a couple of accessory types in the native Apple Home app, and here I'm using the word improvements relatively loosely. First, it's worth noting that these changes are largely visual, and so it's very possible that I'll leave some of them out, simply because these types of modifications a lot of times don't affect the underlying structure that screen readers like VoiceOver use. 
First, one thing I can say is that I'm immediately noticing consistency and reliability improvements in the thermostat interface. In iOS 16, which admittedly was a fairly disastrous cycle for voiceover users, adjusting modes and temperatures was a nightmare with the cursor focus jumping all over the place and certain elements either not being read at all or being read multiple times. Well, let's go ahead and have a look at this new interface, so I'll jump into the tile for my Sensible Air AC controller. Sensible AC controller. Off. Button. Sensible AC controller. Current 29.0 degrees. Humidity 39%. Off. Adjustable. Off. Picker item. Adjustable. One of four. Cool. Two of four. Sensible AC controller. Current 29.0 degrees. Humidity 39%. Cool two. 24.0. Adjustable. Cool. Picker item. Adjustable. Two of four. Settings. Button. Now one thing you may or may not have noticed is the order in which the different controls for the AC are displayed. For me personally, I would have preferred that once a heating or cooling mode is selected, that the temperature picker come after, not before, so that when it comes time to turn off the unit, it's a faster process with less swiping. Aside from this, I am very happy with the ease and reliability of this interface. I'm honestly not sure if this has to do with the changes that were made to the home app or bug fixes that were definitely addressed with voiceover, but either way, I'll take it. Earlier I hinted that I didn't think that these changes were necessarily improvements, and that's because as a voiceover user, the new color picker UI for lights really isn't working for me at all. If I try to change the color of a light using either the color spectrum or the swatch, voiceover doesn't crash, but it just stops giving me feedback and I can't choose the color of the light. Now, you may be asking yourself, why would a blind guy want to change the color of his lights? And it's because I have a toddler who loves the fact that I can change the color of the lights in her room to anything she wants. Now, thankfully, this is easily done by hollering at Siri, but it would be nice to fine-tune the colors. Speaking of which, if you're interested, I'll leave a link in the show notes to a video I made a few years back highlighting some of the stranger colors that Siri can make happen. Now these are the flagship home features that Apple is touting, but there are a couple of other points related to Apple Home that I want to touch on. A weird thing I'm finding using all the new software as I go through my day-to-day -day is the lack of consistency when calling on Siri. In iOS 17, we can now just say Siri as opposed to Hey Siri to summon our minimally capable voice assistant, but this, as far as I can tell, only applies to Siri on iPhone and not HomePod. I'm used to just sort of hollering out to the ethers and letting Siri figure out which device needs to respond, but if I just say Siri and my iPhone's not around, well then I'm just left talking to myself. This is a continuity issue that I'm sure will sort itself out soon enough, but thankfully we can still say hey Siri and have it struggle to understand us or respond inappropriately to requests that it does understand. Again, I've only been using iOS 17 for a little over a week now, but I am impressed with the relatively low number of false triggers that I've been getting, at least ones that result in butting into a conversation that she wasn't invited to. I was also really hoping for an extension of check-in and got excited when I saw it in home settings, but it looks like it's still only being used to allow remote access to a HomePod's microphone whenever it thinks it detects an alarm so that you can confirm. I'd really like to see this replace intercom, but it looks like it ain't happening at least until the dot updates, if at all. We also didn't get any new smart home device categories, nor any new automation conditions, nor triggers, which are all way overdue. However, the latter is likely to be remedied when Matter releases support for product categories like larger appliances and the long-awaited robot vacuum. 
This is really a topic for an entire episode, but hopefully Apple adds native support for these types of devices as opposed to solely relying on stock matter specs which shoot for the lowest common denominator. And lastly, speaking of matter, I wasn't really holding out hope, but I was curious to see if iOS 17 would somehow magically fix the issue that I'm having adding matter over thread devices to my Apple home, but sadly it did not. I did try creating a new home and tried adding them in that way, but no go. I'll still keep working on it though. My next step is to create a home on a completely different Wi-Fi network and see if that's the issue, and I'll be updating my progress on social media at my home get home, so follow us there. I might also write about my trials and tribulations with Matter on the blog over at myhomekithome.com where you'll find lots of other Apple Home content, and the same goes for the YouTube channel. You'll find links to everything in the show notes. We're just scratching the surface on all the new smart home software features across all of Apple's platforms, so keep your eyes peeled. But for now, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you for listening to the end, and we'll catch you in the next one. Take care.